0: South Africa's energy crisis is weakening the country's economic and growth outlook, affecting households and businesses. There is an urgent need for cost-effective, reliable and sustainable solutions such as solar and backup power. But where do you start? Welcome to In Conversation, an investec focus radio essay podcast series that offers you insights into a wide range of topics that will empower you to create, manage, grow and preserve your wealth. Today's episode is the second part of a three-part series focused on empowering solutions for sustainable living. Let's tune in now to a discussion on energy options between Melanie Humphreys, head of Investix Sustainable Solutions and Chris Yelland, a well-known energy analyst and managing director at EE Business Intelligence. Listen in as they share important considerations and practical insights on the sustainable solutions available to you. I'm Elani Humphries, head of
1: Investec Sustainable Solutions. We invited energy expert, Chris Yelland, a well-known energy analyst, consultant, electrical engineer, public speaker, writer, and MD of EE Business Intelligence to share his important considerations, practical insights, and the availability of sustainable solutions. Welcome, Chris. Where do we start? Can you give us an overview of the current current state of affairs when we think about energy?
2: Yeah, look, when we think about energy, we're talking about two sort of groups of people. There's mm. ESCOM and there's the municipalities, mm. and they are the electricity supply industry. But of course, it is changing because now we're getting independent power producers and customers of electricity are becoming generators of electricity. They're beginning to generate as well as consume electricity. Uh, So the world is changing, but if you look at where we are right now, it's ESCOM and the municipalities mainly. Mm. Uh, So on the ESCOM front, um, we all know what's going on there. We experience it every day of our lives. Uh, You know, four to six, sometimes eight hours of load shedding. It's been going on for months, in fact, more than a year. And in fact, if you look back in history, it's been going on since 2008, intermittently. But in the last four years, it's been getting worse every single year. And um, it's due to a shortage of generation capacity and also very poorly performing generation. In other words, we've got the capacity, but it's not available to do the work it's supposed to do. And we feel that um, in in, in load shedding. Um, And then we have to look at the municipalities and they're in an equally precarious position, financially, Mm -hmm. skills, management, um, levels of corruption, highly politicized, the wrong people being appointed to the positions, the wrong people appointing the wrong people. And uh, (laughs) ultimately, uh, there's high levels of um, theft and non-payment of electricity, theft of cable, theft of copper, theft of electricity, theft of steel. And this is causing a uh, really poorly performing electricity distribution network. So about half of our problems right now are generation problems, ESCOM problems, and the other half are local distributor problems. Mm. So it's not a pretty picture, uh, but emerging from this is the new world of electricity where customers are becoming, uh, they begin to realize that if they don't look after themselves, they're going to be waiting a long time and they're starting to take ownership of their own energy future. And we see self-generation, both at the, the residential level, at the commercial level, industrial, mining, agricultural across the economy. Customers are coming to the table. And business is coming to the table as well. Uh, big corporates are starting to put resources helping government, uh, working together with government. Instead of thinking that this is a government problem that they've got to sort out, it's now becoming a team problem. We've all got to work on this. We can all solve. And so I'm
1: hearing the I'm hearing the silver lining. Indeed, Uh, a bit of a a bit of a leading question. Do we have an energy crisis?
2: Well, if you speak to people, they really do think we have an electricity crisis. They have an that we have an energy crisis. But I'm of a different view. Um, The reality is that South Africa is extremely well endowed with energy both natural energy, what we call primary energy, we're talking about coal, and gas, and um, wind, and solar, and hydro. Uh, You know, we've got it all uh, in terms of primary energy, and there is no reason uh, to be held back due to lack of energy. What we haven't got is good policies, uh, good planning, good regulation, and good execution. And uh, that's why I say we don't have an energy crisis in South Africa. We've got a management crisis. By the way, we also have a young population that is growing and it's got a lot of undeveloped potential, human potential. So we've got, both yeah. got natural energy and we've got human energy. And that's why I say there's actually no reason why we should be in this position absolutely no reason and so we
1: don't have an energy crisis I don't we, believe have a, so. we have a crisis of management and execution
2: you know we experience less load shedding during the daylight hours it's because of two reasons number one more solar pv and battery storage is coming online which is helping during the daylight hours and also the wind in uh, winter blows a little bit better especially along the east and the west coast when these <laughs> cold fronts start moving in, the wind blows and it's, and it's really Talking making an impact. are our natural energy resources. These are our natural energy sources uh, that uh, we are so well endowed with. People don't realise that we've got some of the very best solar and wind resources in the world, mm. better than most countries. We've just got to develop them.
1: We've got to harness it. And so taking us from the macro view into the individual home or business, mm. what is the cost of doing nothing? Mm. And just having spoken about how long and perhaps when we see load shedding easing off, mm. what should an individual homeowner do at yeah. this point in time?
2: Oh, first To of become all, less reliant on the mm, grid, of course. The consequences of doing nothing. Well, in the domestic environment, if you're not working from home, Probably load shedding is just a very frustrating experience, and it actually affects your peace of mind. Uh, it gives your you psyche. Gr- it gives your psyche, and I must say, I feel especially, uh, you know, for families with young children because they have times. They've got to get children to school by a certain time. They have to have breakfast. There is
1: a family they routine at exactly. play.
2: Exactly. Obviously, if if you work from home. <laughs> It has an economic impact and you have to do something about it. You have to spend money. So it's costing you to solve the problem, to carry on working, to earn an income. At the commercial level, it has a bigger impact. At the industrial level, it has a massive impact. At the agricultural level, farmers, it, it really impacts them because they, they need to irrigate, they need to pump, they need they machinery that has to operate, food processing. It, it, you know The economic implications are, are absolutely massive, but we're focusing today on, as I understand it, the home. How yes. does it affect you and me? And, and so
1: yeah. thinking about energy um, and its different components, mm. electricity, mm. cooling, heating, mm. cooking, mm. where do I start? What are some of the yeah. changes that I make?
2: I think the starting point is looking carefully at your energy uses and usage and it's not rocket science. Uh, There are simple things that you don't have to be an engineer or a technician or a techie to understand. You need energy efficient lights, LED lights, get rid of the old stuff, put in new LED lights. It costs money, unfortunately. So these are the economic impacts. Uh, The next thing, of course, is to look at how do you reduce your electricity, you know, beyond lights. Well, first of all, what are the big electricity users in the home? Your oven, your stove, mm. your swimming pool pump motor. Mm.
1: What about your geyser? Air
2: conditioning. Geezer is a big guzzler. Yes. <laughs> the geezer guzzler is very real. An electric hot water geezer is one of the biggest electricity users in your house. And there are alternatives. Alternatives like solar water heating, uh, both direct solar and indirect solar. Direct solar water heater, when you use the sun's rays to, cook, to heat the water itself mm-hmm. in things that sit on your roof, you have indirect solar heating where you have a solar PV panel which produces electricity. The to electricity heat heats the geyser. Those are two different technologies. Uh, and and, and, uh, and I, for example, I've got a, a solar hot water geyser on, on my roof and it saves me electricity. It means when I put in a backup system, the backup system doesn't have to be as big. A gas stove is very convenient because it heats up immediately and when you're finished, you switch it off. That's it. And it really does reduce your electricity consumption in the house. And I think that's the starting point. Look at your house. Lights, stove, oven, geyser, swimming pool pump. Those are the big users of electricity. A thing like a fridge, not a big user of electricity really. Uh, so, once you've dealt with your big users of electricity, then start thinking about you know, what are you going to use uh, you know, to supply electricity when it's not there. And that means um, battery storage.
1: As a homeowner, what should I be thinking about in terms of solutioning? And what are the average cost of
2: these solutions? It can start off quite economically. When I say economically, if you go for a, a battery plus inverter solution, you're talking about sixty to seventy-five thousand rand. It's not low cost, but uh, but it's not like two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand.
1: And and what would that give me in terms of solutioning?
2: That would give you very effective backup uh, for uh, load for shedding load up shedding. to stage six. Mm. Uh, but it's not going to save you money because for that I need panels. For that you need solar PV panels. So. A battery inverter is going to be very useful for ensuring security of supply, but it's not going to reduce your electricity bill. Mm. For that, you've got to go the next step, Mm. and that is to put in solar PV panels. And the beauty of this is that if you plan it properly, you can do it progressively. You don't have to do it all at once. Like an add-on? Yeah, an add-on. But remember this. Battery packs are very easy to add on. In fact, most suppliers, they make them in modules. So you can have a 5 kilowatt hour a 10 and a 15 kilowatt. So you buy an extra module, you put it on. You buy an extra one so it's nice and modular. You can expand it as you need it. An inverter is very different. You cannot expand the inverter. If you buy a three kilowatt inverter and you now need five kilowatts, throw away your three kilowatt inverter or sell it to somebody else and you have to buy a new one. So when planning your house, perhaps the thing that you should oversize is your inverter, so that Mm -hmm. you've got room to grow.
1: That's a really good.
2: Same thing with panels. You can grow the panels. You can start off with six panels. If it's not enough, you can put in another two, another two, another two, you can grow. So batteries and PV panels can expand nicely Mm -hmm. because they're modular. Mm -hmm. The inverter is not modular. Uh, So you need to think about your ultimate Mm -hmm. usage.
1: Um, I'm hearing start with a big plan in mind. and then start building on that gradually with your inverter and your batteries. But
2: you know, this is not rocket science. You don't need to be an engineer to know these things, but let's face it, there are people that are technically minded. And I must tell you, you have to know what you're doing when you're cleaning solar PV panels. There are some, the bottom line is that even when you switch off your inverter, if the sun is shining, there is voltage coming out of those panels And there's a whole lot of them all interconnected and they they call it a string of inverters. And the voltage of the string is lethal. And if you climb on the roof and you touch the wrong thing without realizing, you thought it was off. Wow. Uh, But it's not off because the sun is shining. Uh, You know, you have to know what you're doing. That's why I I say I think it's a good idea uh, to contract things out. I mean, other people, they climb on the roof. They get a hose pipe to clean their solar. This is really the worst thing you can do because this is there's live voltage there. To put water on, on plug connectors and, and and solar PV panels, you have to know what you're doing. And I, I, I would steer clear of that unless you are... Key
1: takeaway, your solar panels can kill you. They can.
2: I'm not saying it's common, and I don't want to be alarmist about these things, but... Uh, People that know nothing about electricity shouldn't fiddle around. Leave it,
1: uh, leave it to the yeah. experts. Yeah, exactly. So let's take it back to the cost. So mm-hmm. we started by yeah. building our modular system. We put in our, the, our batteries and mm-hmm. our inverter. Mm-hmm. We're sitting at 70k. We now want to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. We're not just after mm-hmm. sustainability and availability of mm-hmm. energy. We now also want to start playing around with the cost of our energy. Yeah. What does those panels set me back? Yeah, I,
2: I would say, of course, it all depends on the size of your household, how many people, how much electricity you're using, etc. cetera. But let's just say an average household is, for a solar PVs, panels, plus battery, plus inverter, could be spending anything from two hundred to 300,000 Rand in total, of which the battery and inverter is probably about 100,000. And... So if you want to go, you know, for a full system, uh, that is going to save you money, but it's not going to generate power into the grid as, it's, as such. It's, it's just going to reduce your electricity bill. You're talking about between two and 300000 If you want to generate electricity into the grid and sell it to your utility, you're going to need more panels.
1: And so is the emergence mm-hmm. of this residential solar market a good thing or a bad thing? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, f- first of all, um, yes, these systems are not low cost. And at this stage of technology and development, there are not going to be many poor households that can afford the capital cost. However, the costs are coming down and financial institutions are looking at financing options. So I think uh, more and more it is gonna become more affordable. Having said that, that doesn't mean to say we need to wait. I think that the more people, and I'm not just talking about residential, but also commercial, industrial, and agricultural, the more solar PV battery storage systems get installed, the more you are relieving Eskom of a burden that it is currently unable to meet. And by relieving them of this burden, it's a win-win-win situation.
0: Before we continue, we'd like to tell you about a way to secure power and water for your home or business. Our aim is to empower you to find and fund solutions for your alternative energy and water needs. Find out more at investtech.com forward slash sustainable solutions. Now let's get back to the conversation. So, I've
1: decided to do this. You've convinced me. (laughs) What questions do I ask my service provider? Mm. How do I make sure that I don't fall into the pitfalls mm. that's out there? Mm. Every conversation I have Mm. around a drink, around a briar-flash fire, is, and every other person has a horror story, an anecdote, around what not to do and how it can Mm. go wrong. How do I not fall into those pitfalls?
2: Help me. Well, you see, this is the problem. People put in a system and it starts working for them and they're telling all their friends about it. But, uh, you know, a year later it may not be working and it was the worst. You know, you're very excited when you've put in a new system and it it works. And people start listening to you and they're doing what you've done, but maybe the wrong thing.
1: So um, once I've put my system in, do I let my insurers know? What about a certificate of, of compliance? What are some of the things that I need to make sure I do? Hmm.
2: Any change to your electrical system, any change, including a solar PV and battery and your inverter system, will require a certificate of compliance. It's necessary for insurance purposes. It's necessary when you sell your house. It's something you you, you have to do to be compliant. And uh, if you don't do it, it'll eventually come back to bite you because there'll be a time when you need it. For example, when you're trying to claim on your insurance. For example, when you're trying to sell your house. So a certificate of compliance is is a must. And that means it's gotta be installed by a competent installer that can issue a certificate of compliance. And uh, and, and that is a way of protecting the consumer, ultimately. There are other ways of protecting the consumer um, by using accredited installers that have been properly trained. And there are independent industry accreditation schemes installers of solar PV panels and and these kind of systems. When it comes to insurance, you have to let your insurance company know when you're doing a major investment in your house or property that is going to change the value of the property or the replacement value of the property, you have to tell your insurer. If you don't, you're not actually covered. You might be underinsured and they might not honor their uh, your claim when you do come to claim for some uh, you know if the thing fails or there's a fire or uh, there's a flood and and you've damaged the equipment if it if you haven't informed your insurer and you haven't kept your valuation of your property or the replacement value of your property up to date uh, in the end it comes back to haunt you so compliance is always problematic and troublesome and it adds extra cost and time and effort. But if you don't do it and there's a problem, it's worse. So uh, these Use are things Use accredited
1: suppliers, do. let your insurance mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. remember to get your certificate of, of compliance. What other big lessons have you learned in designing backup systems, Chris? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, one thing I have, it's come to my attention, and I'm doing work in this area myself, is the question of uh, the risk of electric shock, and risk of fire. I don't want to overplay this nor do I want to, uh, you know, we don't want to scaremonger about mm. this. Uh, fires of solar PV systems are not that common mm. and neither is uh, shock that, that causes a, a burn or an accident.
1: But the impact but it could happens. be disastrous.
2: It does happen. We've got to know that in South Africa we're behind the curve. It's because the installed base of these systems in South Africa is relatively small. Other countries, United States, Europe, Japan, China have got huge installed base. And so they experience these fires more often because of the installed base. And as a result, they've developed standards and fire protection schemes uh, to, to, to actually minimize this because we're We're only starting on this road now.
1: How do I protect my home and my family?
2: Until the standards uh, get up to the state of international standards, uh, where it becomes mandatory to do certain things. Unfortunately, we're in a situation where the buyer, that's us, have to be a little bit more careful. So I would advise, for example, not to put a solar PV system, the inverter and the battery inside the house, inside your domestic dwelling. Number one, look, the inverter and battery, they are protected, you can't, you're not gonna touch anything that is live, but children have a habit of putting their fingers <laughs> into little holes and they're they, they very curious and uh, I, I would not put it in my uh, living area And I certainly wouldn't put a lithium-ion battery in my house because lithium fires are notoriously difficult to deal with. And um, a normal, you know, hose pipe on a lithium fire is actually making things worse. Uh, And...
1: You and I spoke about the chemical reaction. Tell us a little uh, bit about it. You know,
2: I remember at school... Uh, y- there was an experiment, you would cut a little piece of lithium
1: yes, we did and one. you would
2: drop it in a glass of water and it goes into a spontaneous reaction where the lithium reacts and takes the oxygen out of the water which leaves the hydrogen as a gas. So as you take the oxygen out of the water molecule, you're left with hydrogen gas and hydrogen gas burns. It can explode. And that is what is happening when you drop lithium into water there is this reaction and it gives off hydrogen and it's very hot and it can cause a fire and so so spraying do not
1: not kill your lithium battery uh, fire with with water water. exactly how about my fire Hmm. extinguisher
2: doesn't work a normal carbon dioxide kind of fire extinguisher is not effective uh, against lithium So you need special fire protection techniques to deal with lithium. Mm -hmm. Many people would say, and the the current prevailing thoughts are, is if there's a lithium fire, you leave it to burn out. Don't try and throw water on it or do the wrong thing. Now, that's all very well. that's why
1: I don't put it in the middle of my house. I put it in the
2: garage. Exactly. I would put it either on an outside wall or in the garage, where it's not putting your whole family at risk. Mm. Um, Now look, there are other technology options and solutions, but they become uh, product specific, uh, brand specific and manufacturer specific, and uh, some of them work better than others. So I can't go down that road uh, other than to say, uh, I think at the current state of technology, I would mount a lithium battery outside. And the same thing would go, by the way, for a lead-acid battery. Mm. Um, although most batteries these days for domestic uh, residential solar PV systems are lithium iron bar- batteries. Um, so I think one's got to be conscious mm. of the fire hazard, but not overplay it. Mm. Um, and but get be professionals sensible, to, but be to, to clean your panels. Exactly. The, that the, On the electric shock side of things, I think one should be careful about climbing on one's roof and using a hose pipe to clean your panels if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You need, there, there are, again, techniques to ensure zero voltage on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. In other countries, these are mandatory, but in South Africa, it is not mandatory.
1: Not and
2: to, to, ins- to have a system that ensures zero voltage on the rooftop costs more. And um, we are very price conscious. Mm. Uh, and because it's not mandatory, people don't do it. The installers don't do it because they don't have to do it. And it puts them in a less competitive mm. position when they are quoting different users for a system. So they're going to offer systems that are legal. They're not going to break the law. Uh, but the law at the moment does not require But as you pointed out, our it.
1: compliance standards are not yet where We're they should the be. We're yeah. behind the yeah. curve. We're behind the curve.
2: But... The more installed base we have, the more we're going to become aware of the problem. And then we will start hopefully adopting some of the standards that have been adopted internationally uh, and not learn the hard way.
1: What a beautiful place for us to end. Thanks for your insights. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. Certainly you leaving us with lots of food for thought.
0: Thank you for joining us.
2: And thank you for having me here.
0: Thank you for listening to end Conversation on Investec Focus Radio SA. In the next episode, we will be talking to a water expert about how you can reduce your reliance on our failing water infrastructure. To make sure you don't miss an episode, follow Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please take a moment to rate us on your podcast platform.